Please be aware that this is for professional investors only. Hello and welcome to the latest NAM Talks. Now, as always, we have translations, live translations available uh, in various languages. So if you would like to access them, you need to click on the interpretation button below. In addition, if you have any questions, you can always contact us via our corporate email, which is nordiafunds at nordia.com. Great. So this morning, we'll be discussing the imminent introduction of the latest MIFID II changes, and that's happening on the 2nd of August. And so what we'll be doing is looking at the impact that that's going to have on the financial industry in Europe. And for that, I am joined by Cecilia Siegbaum, who is Senior ESG Regulatory Expert at Nordia Asset Management. Hello, Cecilia. Hi, Paul. Thank you for having me. So I thought we should start by just setting the scene because August the 2nd is just around the corner and that's when the changes to MIFID 2 come into effect. So perhaps you could just give us you know, a quick review of where the regulation has come from and perhaps more importantly, you know, what's coming up in the next few months. Yes, for sure. So, I mean, MIFID 2, we got in 2018. So what is happening now, 2nd of August, is yes, changing or amendments to the existing regulations already. But the reason why we see these changes is because in 2018, the EU Commission published their action plan for financing sustainable growth. And in this package, they are going in and either creating new legal acts or making changes to existing ones. But all of them have the same purpose, and that is to steer investments towards more sustainability or more sustainability integration in the investment decision making. And MIFID II is one, one way and one step for them to make sure that the end clients get their preferences taken into consideration when they are given investment advice. Okay, great. But... Um... You know, th these changes on the 2nd of August really impact advisors more than anyone else in the financial industry. So what what will it actually mean? You know, from a practical perspective, what changes will this bring uh, for advisors? No, you're right. It's going to be quite a few changes in MIFID 2. But as you mentioned, the, you can drill it down to two aspects of MIFID 2 that's really going to impact the financial industry and the advisors. And the first one being the changes coming to the suitability assessment. This is already existing in the market and the advisors are used to asking the clients questions and trying to identify the client's risk profile, the investment horizon, and really establish what type of client and what are their objectives with their financial investments. Yeah. In these aspects, they will uh, need to ask a new question and also identify the client's sustainability preference. Right. On the other hand, we have the financial product that they will advise the clients on. And the financial product also need to be identified with the level of integration of sustainability aspects. And this is saying that they need to have a clear target market. What the EU Commission said is that we need to make sure that the clients um, investment objectives are taken into account and therefore we need to 
have a condensed view on what is a sustainable integration. And then they identified three different investment methods where they said either a financial product can have taxonomy aligned investments or they can have sustainable investment as defined in SFDR, which we got in March. Or the third aspect would be that they could consider um, the adverse impact when investing, meaning the pie indicators when they're investing. So these are the three sort of common denominators for the clients with sustainable preference or the sustainable products. And the key thing is to match those two in the end. So you just mentioned those, those three considerations, but um, at the beginning you were talking about uh, this new sort of sustainability considerations, which will feed into that suitability profile that uh, advisors have been uh, using for, for years now. So maybe you could just explain a bit more about you know, the practicalities of that and how that will actually work in practice. So as we know it today, we do have a suitability assessment where the client is already uh, put in different boxes, you can say. I mean, we can have some examples where you can have a, a balanced client they have a, uh, where they have a different risk profile. And based on this assessment, the client is then getting a limited number of financial products that they can be recommended or advised on. So what is happening now is that we're getting this uh, second layer that I just mentioned, saying that once you have done this profiling, you need to do a new profiling on the client where you also establish the client's sustainability preference. And dependent on where they end up, in which sort of new bucket they end up in, they would get an even reduced number of funds they could be advised on. And this is why we see that it's going to impact the market because the number of funds that can be recommended in the end will be reduced from what we've seen today. Okay, so that's adding another layer of complexity. But you know, what are we doing here at Nodir Asset Management in order to help advisors adapt to this new uh, situation that they find themselves in? So. What we did was, first of all, so we focused on the three different routes or the three different investment strategies one can use in an invest financial product to be recommended to a client with sustainable preference. With the first one being the pie consideration of the principal adverse impact indicators be taken into account in the investment decision making. This we do for all of our range of Article 8 and 9 funds and products today. The second one being sustainable investments. Here we got the definition in SFDR in 2021. And once we had done the definition and made sure what does it mean for Nodea to have sustainable investment, we had a review of the products and show what do they have today according to our methodology and committed to a certain proportion in our top range or star range of ESG products. So to summarize it, you can say that the fixed income products, which also hold governments, for example, they have a bit of a lower proportion of 40%, while the equities hold a minimum commitment of 50%. And then, of course, our Article 9, our top um, sustainable products, they have a minimum commitment of 85% of sustainable investments. Also keeping in mind that this is the minimum commitment, not the actual proportion. And the third route, which is taxonomy, this one we left a bit on the side because we are still missing a lot of data in the market. And I mean, what we can do, I just mentioned that we're missing data, but what we can do in the market is uh, for the advisors, making sure that we can support them in 
in their setup of the new MIFI II requirements is to be fully transparent about what we do and how it looks in our products. That's why we took the decision to say all information should be available in the pre-contractual, the prospectuses, but also in the EET, both of them as of August. Sorry, Cecilia, what, EET is what again? Sorry, the EET is the EU ESG template. That's this massive Excel tool that each of the financial products need to fill in. Okay, so it's always great to, to have an example. So perhaps you could just run us through, you know, a, a case study um, that you could share with us. Yes, I, I mean, if we have a look at one of our sort of core ESG stars strategy, which is the North American equity stars strategy, this has had a lot of ESG integration all the time. So, I mean, we already have the active ownership and engagement. We do norms-based screening. We, uh, we apply the Paris-aligned fossil fuel policy and do a lot of integration already. But on top of it, we've also concluded that we are considering all of the PIE indicators and it has a minimum commitment of 50% of sustainable investments. So I just want to highlight that even though we are focusing on PIE and sustainability, those are not the only integrations we do today. So I've, I've noticed that PIE has come up quite a few times and it seems to be a sort of core concept. So perhaps it's an, a good idea just to explain a little bit more detail of what PIE is and, and how we go about measuring it. So PIE actually stands for Principal Adverse Impact on Sustainability Indicators. And in short, it means the negative impact on indicators, which were defined by SFDR. And here we have a list of 14, and it includes uh, greenhouse gas emissions, uh, hazardous waste ratio, and the impact on biodiversity. And what is happening for these financial products is that we are committing to considering these indicators in the investment decision making. Okay, so basically, you know, any product, and these are presumably uh, sort of Article 8 solutions that we're talking about here that, that are considering PI automatically then are eligible um, for the advisor in this new regime that they find themselves in. I had a follow on question though regarding uh, the sustainability because you mentioned it was a sort of technical term. Um, maybe you could just sort of touch a bit more on that as well and, and how that feeds into uh, the products and the solutions that we have. Yes, the, the second alternative is then sustainable investments, which is also defined in SFDR. And until now, you know, it has been up to every investment firm to define how do we classify a sustainable investment. But what happened in SFDR is that they said, it's still up to you to define it and apply your criteria, but they need to be within certain uh, requirements where the first requirement is that if you invest in a company which you consider to be sustainable you need to be able to demonstrate that it is contributing to an environmental or social objective it is not significantly harming any of the other and that the company is done with good governance practices but then in the end what it means to contribute and significant harm that is going to be up to each of the uh, investment firms to define themselves so I guess the natural follow-on question to that is, you know, at, at Nordea Asset Management, how do we define what is a sustainable investment? So sustainable investments still need to comply with the three requirements that were defined in SFDR, which is contribution to no significant harm and good governance. And what we're doing is that, first of all, it's a good thing you pointed that out. We do the assessment on the investment, meaning each of the underlying holding in a strategy or a financial product in general. 
And when we do it, we're looking at the investable companies at hand. And then we're looking how are they, first of all, contributing to environmental or social objective. And this we do through the SDGs. Main reason is because this is very um, acknowledging the market. There's a lot of SDG data available. Secondly, we're looking at does the company significantly harm any of the environmental or social objectives. To define this, we're looking at the PI data points to making sure that they are not outliers and significantly harming any of the other objectives. The third aspect, which is good governance, the, the main key driver is international standard, which goes for labor rights and human rights. But we also use sectorial standards, which is quite a recognized if you're looking at different industries. And then in the end, it needs to be mentioned that the three of them need, you need, the company need to tick the box for all three requirements because this is a binary process. So for a company to be classified as sustainable investment, it needs to go through the entire scheming process. Okay, so let's look at the key takeaways from this morning. And the most important one, of course, is that the August the 2nd deadline is literally just around the corner which means that advisors will have to change the way that they advise clients and also change the solutions that they can offer. So a reminder that at Nordea, we have investment solutions that are fully eligible to end investors under the new regulation if they do have sustainability preferences. And our ESG stars building blocks and also the sustainable themed uh, solutions are committed to sustainable investment. So these are, you know, as well, Article 8 and Article 9 solutions. We have a robust methodology behind our sustainable investment uh, and the mapping and the, the principal uh, adverse impact measures that we have. And our ESG stars and thematic range will consider all pies. The reason we're doing all of this is because we really want to avoid greenwashing and that's something that really is of paramount importance to us. And so we're fully transparent um, in terms of the European ESG template or the EET. Um, and there we disclose not only the pie values, but also the coverage. Was there anything that you would like to add to that, Cecilia? I think there's uh, perhaps one thing that I would like to stress rather than that is what you mentioned when it came to the pie data coverage. At the moment, there is a massive lack of data in the market and therefore we will see an evolving process during the coming years where the companies will report more and we can use that in the investment integration in a, to a higher extent than we do today. So just as a, as a small reminder. Great, so thank you so much for joining us this morning and uh, I look forward to catching up with you again soon. Thank you for having me and see you soon. Before we sign off, if you're looking for more information on our views and investment solutions, then please do go and visit nordiaassetmanagement.com. That's it for today. I look forward to seeing you again soon.